Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey, podcast and YouTube friends, welcome to another episode of Healthy Her. And uh, I'm really excited to um, have our next guest um, and our next topic, mainly because this topic has literally consumed my my own life and my own learning for the last probably three or four months. And so it's it's really like first on my mind. And uh, today, what we're going to talk about is food as medicine, um, how to improve your health with food. And our guest is Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. So welcome, Dr. Toombs-Withers. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to dig in. So, can you just give the audience? I was look. I was looking at your website a little bit today of a little bit about yourself and your background and yeah, how this became yeah. one of your passions. Yeah, sure. So, I am a physician, uh, board certified in both family medicine and obesity medicine, um, and I've been in practice uh, for over 12 years now. And over the years, I have just practiced in a number of capacities, everything from being a professor with the residency program to a medical director to just uh, traditional cl- clinic medicine. And what I found, you know, is that over time, I just became frustrated, really, with the system of the the way our healthcare system is designed in providing family uh, medicine level of care. You know, you go to the clinic. Typically, there's a this crowded waiting room. People are waiting, and then you're only allowed 15 minutes with the patient, and everything is rush, rush, rush. Um, and it's really this form of what I call band-aid medicine, where we just put a band-aid on it and say, "Okay, see you next time." There you go. Um, and I really wanted to do more and to offer more, um, so I went out on my own uh, and opened my own practice, Essence of Health. Um, with that, with a model in mind of being able to offer more uh, longer visits and more time to really get to know my patients, to sit and have those discussions, to sit and go deeper into the issues that were causing a lot of their health issues. Um, and found, you know, that by having that type of relationship with my patients, I, I enjoyed providing care as the physician better and my patients were getting even uh, better results and sustainable results. And they were, you know, learning for themselves um, these tools. So what I do, um, I incorporate a lot of lifestyle changes into the way that I practice. Um, I am also certified in plant-based nutrition. And so I incorporate a lot of uh, plant-based uh, way of eating as well as we talk about intentional movement and a lot of mindfulness um, and being mindful of, you know, what we eat while we're eating, how we're feeling um, within our bodies uh, to gain these sustainable health changes. Yeah. Good for you figuring it out so uh, early in your career. Um, I couldn't agree with you more that, um, you know, I guess I couldn't agree with you more of your end conclusion, but then at the same token, when you say the system is broken, I'm like, actually, probably the system is working really well because the system 
is meant to not to kill people because killing people doesn't right. result in any money, well, be bad, but, right? <laughs> but also like making people really healthy um, doesn't lead to any money either. Cause there's a lot of money in um, bypass surgery, stents, cancer treatment. Right. So, yeah. um, so not, but just that sick enough is that's mm-hmm. where there's a lot of money in healthcare. So so right. that was the only thing. Unfortunately, yeah, is. The, yeah, the system is is fixed to or is working just right for that goal mm-hmm. is to keep people right. just sick enough. But but you're right; it's really hard to uh, take to actually make people healthy in those mm-hmm. five minute, ten minute visits. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, and then you, you hear it from the patients, you know, people always say, Oh, I went to the doctor and the doctor only spent, you know, they, they feel like they only spent two minutes with me. They ran in the room, they ran out and they didn't listen to me. And, you know, I didn't get my questions answered. So we hear this feedback and, you know, a lot of times we just feel uh, helpless because, you know, you have this administrative burden telling you, you gotta, you know, meet these demands. You gotta see this many folks. You gotta, yeah, I have this many, you know, RVUs and things. And so, yeah, it, it becomes a, a challenging cycle. So today we're going to talk specifically about a plant-based diet. Um, yeah. how, how long have you been practicing as a um, plant-based physician or as well as I assume you're living that life as well? Yeah, yeah. So I've been plant-based myself uh, for a number of years, really my own personal story started um, when I was in college. I started developing these debilitating um, stomach pain issues where I'd be just doubled over in pain whenever I ate. Um, and so I went and saw my own doctor and, you know, had a full workup done. They sent me to a specialist, gastroenterologist. They did all the things and found out, thankfully, nothing was wrong physically um, with me. And so then the doctor said, well, let's try an elimination diet. Uh, and so with the elimination diet, they said, we'll try eliminating dairy first uh, because, you know, a large percentage of people of color are lactose intolerant. Um, and so he said, let's try that first and see how you feel. Well, sure enough, he had me try it for two weeks and I felt great. You know, it, immediately I wasn't getting the same uh, pain that I was getting. Um, it was hard because uh, I'm a girl. I'm from Atlanta originally, and I love uh, mac and cheese and, you know, traditional Southern kind of cooking. Uh, so it was hard to have those dairy-free items, but I did it, and I noticed, you know, how much better I felt. And then I noticed that those other times when I would have an ice cream cone or I would, you know, eat a slice of cheese on something, I, it would come back again, and I'd be double over in pain again. Um, and so, you know, that really kind of started to me saying, well, you know, I know I need to avoid these dairy items. I still wasn't quite plant-based um, really until after I had um, my first child. And then I wanted to improve my own health. I started reading more. Um, I wanted to become a runner, which I did. I started running 5Ks and went on up from there and just noticed how great I felt and how much I was able to fuel my body. And then the more I read and the more I learned uh, is what really pushed me forward to gain the plant-based nutrition certification to be able to share more of that um, with my patients and teach them. Yeah. So how long, how long has it been since you've been fully plant-based then? So at least about 12 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. uh Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've had other physicians uh, on this uh, show as well. So learning about plant-based, um, that's pretty advanced, but I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me that even in medical school, we don't even get the basics of um, 
kind of education about nutrition, yeah, let alone like uh, diving deep into plant-based. Right. Yeah, a lot. Don't. I will say I, I have learned since then that my medical school was a little unique and that we did actually have a nutrition um, class that we took. I, I went to an osteopathic uh, school, Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And at the time, um, there was a heavy focus on primary care and preventative medicine. So we were actually required to take a nutrition class as part of it. It was not a plant-based nutrition class. I will, I will tell you that. Yeah, nobody was talking about that. Um, but it was the basics of nutrition, which I found was unique in that a lot of schools weren't doing that. Can you share with our listeners, like, you know, obviously if somebody's sensitive to to dairy that that's a big reason to cut it out and that is a huge cause of uh even in my practice a lot of um gi upset acne rashes things like that and so we do a lot of um uh elimination diets in our practice as well Mm -hmm. as food sensitivity testing and you know it seems like gluten and dairy are the most common food sensitivities Mm -hmm. um so that would make sense if you're having any issues but what if you're not having any issues? What would you tell the the um, listeners of what are the, why would somebody or anybody or everybody consider eating a plant-based diet? Yeah, uh, really the, the short answer is the proof is in the science. The longer answer is because, you know, we know that a plant-based way of eating has been shown to not only help improve conditions like was in my case, but it's also been shown to prevent um, certain health conditions. So, you know, plant-based way of eating has been shown to prevent things like uh, prediabetes turning into diabetes or prevent uh, heart disease. You know, there are a number of studies on heart health um, with uh, plant-based foods and with soy-based foods too. Um, And so, yeah, there are so many preventative things that a plant-based diet, even cancer. There have been studies that have shown that, you know, people who consume a more plant-predominant diet have lower risk um, of, one, developing certain forms of cancer. They found this with both colorectal cancer, breast cancer, and in prostate cancer. And they found less recurrences of those cancers after a person has had it when they um, consume the more plant-predominant diet. So there are a, a number of reasons, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, um, but... I would say that most I would say most people are aware that eating fruits and vegetables and eating a lot of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, everybody should do that. Like, I don't think there's anybody, you know, unless you've been, you know, living on a desert island and not in touch with civilization. (laughs) Everybody would agree with you that, yeah, I should eat more fruits and vegetables like that's healthy. But if we take it a step further, well, what's wrong with animal products what's wrong Mm -hmm. with meat um what's Mm -hmm. wrong with eggs that you're telling me that we should consider eliminating that from our diet right yeah because and you're right uh, some people really need the the motivation to do these things you know there's one thing when we know to do these things but there's another thing when we're motivated (laughs) to do these things and that is a big difference there um but I will tell you, even within a, the plant-based community, I always joke that I, and, and it's true though, that I do know vegans who don't like vegetables. Um, and so that's a that's an entirely different episode. Um, but <laughs> you know, Yes, or vegetarians that are really just carbitarians. So. Right, exactly. So there you know, people, you know, have these ways of eating for a number of reasons. But to answer your question, um, yeah, animal-based products actually contribute 
to a lot of these health conditions, what we found. Um, for instance, uh, cholesterol is, you know, an easy one to, for people to grasp an understanding of. We as, as mammals, as humans, we all make cholesterol. So these animals make even more cholesterol. So uh, within our bodies, we have more than enough cholesterol that we need for life-sustaining purposes. But when we consume these animal products, that raises our cholesterol, which in terms put these little calcifications and plaques in our blood vessels and increase our risk for things like heart attacks and strokes. Um, and so... You know, that's one reason because these animal products can actually cause illness and can cause dysfunction within the body. Uh, you know, another thing you talked about um, rashes and, you know, the in the the correlation between uh, dairy and those and even with asthma and eczema that they found. Um, you know, dairy precipitating some of these health conditions. And so those are, are definitely great reasons to stop, you know, putting animals on your plate. And then even if, you know, you don't necessarily, because some people aren't motivated by, you know, their own health, if, if it's about the animals for you, if you, you know, look at the environment and what our consumption of these animals do to our environment, um, that's also can be a motivating factor. Yeah, I uh, as I was digging into this research over the last couple months is, um, you know, saturated fat isn't good for our health. And the amount of saturated fat that is, you know, I think red meat is 50 percent. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and and then, you know, when you're like, well, what about chicken or fish? Like, well, that's better, but it's still, mm -hmm. I think, 30 percent saturated right. fat. Exactly. Yep. It's still, yeah, high in saturated fat. Um, it's still going to be a product of cholesterol, source of cholesterol. Um, and then even, you know, chicken, a lot of the way that chicken is prepared and created even the sodium amounts. And so you know, there are a number of, of components to it that make it not a good idea for you. I don't know if you have any thoughts on um, uh, just kind of our ancestors when people say like, yeah, but the paleo primal, like our ancestors always ate meat. And so we were meant to eat meat. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting, you know, concept when people say that. But if you actually look at a lot of uh, culture, ancestral cultures, uh, the diets were more predominantly plant based. Um, yeah, they ate some meat. Um, but if you think about the amount of hunting and things that they had to do to get the meat, it wasn't a lot that they were eating. It definitely wasn't, you know, readily available how we can just pull up to McDonald's and, you know, get, get it right on your plate. They actually had to work for it. So with that in mind, they weren't eating as much meat as human consumption is now. They were actually eating more plants because they had to. They were, the plants were more readily available. Um, and if you even look at more traditional cultural meals that you know, we still consume, they are heavily plant predominant when you think about it. A lot of the times, you know, now we go and add meat, you know, people cook a, a batch of greens and they add the meat to it for flavoring. Um, <laughs> but our, our ancestral diets were really more plant predominant. Yeah. And I think, you know, in medicine, we just want to focus on data. And I'm just amazed at the the data on eating plant-based diet of what you already mentioned on cancer, um, cardiovascular disease and diabetes is the research is 
is really hands down on the the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. When I brought that up to a colleague, they're like, well, what about the Mediterranean diet? What's your comment on that? I thought that's supposed to be the healthiest diet. And there's a lot, well, I guess I'm jumping ahead because we haven't talked about fat consumption or or even right. all, or oils. There's a lot of healthy oils in a Mediterranean diet and there's lean uh-huh. meats and, and fish in a Mediterranean diet. And I thought that's supposed to be so healthy. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting when it comes to the Mediterranean diet. So it, it, it is a, a healthier diet, you know, it's definitely going to be healthier than standard American diet of, you know, uh, heavily laden uh, fats and from animal products and oils and dairy. Um, but when you, you know, I attended a conference um, just last year and, you know, where one of the uh, speakers, they were talking about, you know, um, because it was put on by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And so they do a lot of lobbying for more plant-based education as well as nutrition. Um, and so they talk about when they had met with the American Heart Association and they were coming out, you know, with the guidelines and what's going to be, you know, the the next big recommendation. Well, the thought, the thought behind the Mediterranean diet is, well, people can follow it easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's why we will say that, you know, this is the best because it's, you know, what people are most likely to do kind of thing, but not because it's truly the best. Yeah, um, you know, it's better. And there's a lot right. of fruits and vegetables yeah. in the Mediterranean diet. And right. and it does focus on like fish, which is better than red meat. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there are, you know, some properties from the omega-3s that you can get um, from fish and fish oils. But you can also get omega-3s in uh, plant-based foods, too, without having that fat content and without having that cholesterol content um, that you would get in fish. Um, and so you can still, you know, get those benefits from plant-based omega-3s. So say somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, like, I want to try to be plant-based. Now, what do I do? Because I'm used to yeah. eating eggs for eggs and bacon for breakfast, uh, chicken salad for lunch or a turkey sandwich yeah. for lunch, and then meat, potatoes, and a vegetable for dinner. So mm-hmm. how do I start? Like, I like all those foods and I thought I was being so healthy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a common thing that I hear. And honestly, you know, when I talk to people about starting changing their eating habits, we start with where they're at. So if it is, you know, um, an egg and bacon breakfast that you typically eat, for instance, well, think about why do you like the eggs and the bacon? Is it because of the saltiness that you think you're going for? Is it because you just like a hot breakfast versus something cold, like, a you know, a whole grain cereal? Or is it, you know, what what is it actually that you're, you know, you, you feel like you're, you're getting when you eat the eggs and bacon? So once we kind of break it down on that level, then we can think about, well, what can we have in the place of that? So for instance, a tofu scramble, if it's really the the, the uh, feel and the texture of the egg and the, the flavor that you even want of the egg, you can do a tofu scramble instead. So tofu is gonna be a good source of plant-based fat. It's gonna be cholesterol-free, it's gonna be a really high source of protein, um, good source of iron and calcium. Um, and you can cook it and you can prepare it scrambled as you would your scrambled egg. Um, you can add a little bit of uh, black salt 
which is actually um, more of an Indian type of spice, and it actually gives an egg like flavor to it. Um, because Where do I get that? Can I just go to Amazon and get this black salt? <laughs> you actually can go to Amazon and get it. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going for that egg flavor, sprinkle just a tad bit of of that. And then over literally it. just take the carton of tofu and like your tofu. Yeah, like mix it up, it up with a fork, there. if you will. Uh, yep. Yeah, put it in your your nonstick pan so you don't have to use a bunch of oil with it. Um, you know, add you some veggies in it and spinach would be great. Uh, tomatoes, if you like, or whatever you would typically do um, with your eggs. And you've got a much better, much healthier um, substitute to your traditional egg breakfast. Um, do you recommend like kind of weaning into this process of eating plant-based of like, okay, like I'll try like maybe a meatless Monday or um, I'll have a fully plant-based for one meal a day or just diving yeah. straight in and saying, all right, no more animal right. products for me. It, it, you know, it really depends on the person. And then it also depends on like we talked about the motivation. So if it's one of my people, you know, who's coming in, they've got an A1C of 11 and, you know, and we are really wanting to kick this into high gear and start reversing some of these health conditions, then yeah, let's go full on board. Let's get a full, you know, meal plan. Let's, you know, have your oatmeal for breakfast. Let's do, you know, a healthy uh, salad or a veggie sandwich for lunch. Let's talk about, you know, some type of uh, maybe even bean-based pasta or something for dinner. Let's, you know, really hit it hard and get these numbers down. Versus if you're that person that we talked about who may not have any health conditions, but oh, I just want to eat a little bit healthier. Yeah, start with the meatless Monday, work your way that way, because that allows you to learn more plant-based things that you like. A lot of times, you know, as we're growing up, and if we haven't grown up plant-based, we only know a few vegetables that we've maybe even have tried. Um, and there are many things out there that you've never been exposed to or never tried. Um, that you can start to get your palate accustomed to eating more plants and eating things differently, as well as the visualization, visualization part. Um, you know, for a lot of us, if we don't see our plate looking like that meat and two sides kind of thing, then it, it just feels off and it, you know, it doesn't look right. So that piece of it too, that mindset piece of seeing your plate where you do um, just have the, the vegetables on it or, you know, in different kinds, you can have the rainbow colors and everything. Um, and being satisfied with that. And so for some people that can take, you know, more time to get to that point. So doing it more slowly with like a meatless Monday or saying, you know, one full day um, a week or twice a week, I'm going to just go completely meatless um, and try it that way. I, I mentioned earlier that I've been um, eating a whole food plant based now for a couple months and got rid of animal products from my own blood sugar condition. Um, issues. And uh, I've been slowly trying to convince my family um, and my husband, who's a very, you know, very into meat. And so I've just been kind of like, okay, we're gonna, uh, a couple times a week, we're not going to have meat. And at least with our dinners that um, we're having meat, like, but incorporating more vegetables in it. So I'm trying to kind of right. just squeeze out the meat with my. Right. Yeah. 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 And some people do that too, where the meat is almost just like a garnet, you know, yeah. as they're working their way down and not the, the centerpiece of the meal. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, somebody with diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. 
since, since that was kind of my path into learning about a um, whole food plant-based diet. Um, and again, um, I thought that like a lot of physicians that insulin resistance, type two diabetes was due to too much carbs. Um, and I know we spoke on error of kind of what the, you know, what the thought process is and maybe uh, a different way of looking at it of uh, what the cause of insulin resistance and type two diabetes is. Yeah. And so it's not just the carbs, it's also the fat. And so, you know, what the science is now showing us is that um, when our liver, when we store that fat, and then it starts to release sugar and it makes our, um, our us more insulin resistance over time. And so what tends to happen, even though you're eating the, like for people who do keto, but they're still having these high fat, um, fatty meals, especially the more of the bacon and egg kind of keto eaters, um, then yeah, you know, initially people will see this weight loss, but it's not going to be sustainable and they will start to become even more insulin resistant um, just based upon that fat storage. And then the other part when it comes to carbs, what we know about carbs is that um, carbs are, you know, they're macronutrients. So we're meant to have carbs in our diet. Um, it's one of the things that should make up a large portion of our diet. But it's the type of carbs that consume um, are typically the issue. So it's those processed carbohydrates um, are the things that are really going to spike those uh, blood glucose levels up and what's going to really make people be more insulin resistant versus those more slow, slow release carbs, if you will, things like beans, um, things like more of your unprocessed grains, your still cut oats, uh, barley, farro, things of that nature um, are actually going to stabilize the blood sugar. And in turn, they will help reduce insulin resistance because you aren't getting those spikes in your glucose levels. It's more stabilized. Yeah. And, you know, I found that with uh, my own personal health is uh, I had blood sugar issues and, you know, there's a lot of info about there out there about keto. And uh, so started doing keto for a while, lost a lot of weight, um, but, and my blood sugars were controlled, but if I ate any carbohydrates and when I mean Mm -hmm. any, I mean any, even something like blueberries, my blood sugar went crazy and then when I repeated my blood work oh my goodness like my cholesterol numbers were oh like I've never seen it like that in my entire life as well as I was constipated and I was never constipated in my entire life so then that's kind of what my path was I'm like this is not the answer like okay this was an answer I lost a lot of weight to doing it Mm -hmm. um but I'm like, how is this right where I'm avoid I'm not eating any fruit? Like this cannot right. be a healthy, sustainable option. And I'm eating all this meat and eggs. Like this is yeah, not it's definitely not. Yeah, because you take all of that fiber away too. And so that's why you're constipated um too. And what we know about fiber, fiber has so many great health benefits for us. Um, you know, it's been shown to reduce our risk of colorectal cancer. It's been shown to lower our cholesterol. And so you're suddenly taking that out of your diet and now you're exposing yourself um, to all of these things with going keto. Keto was never, you know, meant to be um, done as, you know, some sustainable way of, of eating for the majority of individuals anyway. You know, keto is really yeah. and long and definitely long term. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we kind of just took it and ran with it, um, but it, it wasn't meant <laughs> to be that way. And what I realize now of what you kind of um, explained uh, earlier is that the cause of insulin resistant is too much fat. Um, And then you become insensitive to carbohydrates. So getting the fat out is how you cure insulin resistance. And so, and then there was so much, I was eating so much fat of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, what I thought was healthy fat of coconut oil, olive oil, eggs. Uh, And coconut oil is notorious for the amount of saturated fat. And that one also is mind boggling because, you know, for a while there, coconut oil was kind of touted as like, you know, such like a, a superfood kind of thing. And people were flocking to buy this coconut oil, but it's so high in saturated fat. And it's it's really a terrible, you know, thing to consume. It's great for your skin and your hair, you know, lather it on, but <laughs> don't eat it. Yeah. What do you say when people say, well, I thought olive oil was healthy, though? Right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people do think that, but any oils, you know, once again, because of the way that we get oils, you know, you, it's been smushed out of the actual vegetable or the actual product. And that's how we get the oil. Um, But in turn, you've lost all of the health value of the food product that it's come from. And so then you're left with just the saturated source of fat and oil. And so on skin, you're going to get all of those negative adverse um, health effects from having that versus just eat the olives if you know if that's what you're wanting and not cook with the oil you can cook a number of things with vegetable broth um, or just water Uh, vegetables have a high water content anyway and so a lot of times you could just even use the water from the vegetables um, to cook products Uh, you can uh, bake things on parchment paper and still get a crispy um, type of feel to your vegetables that way if you're going for a crisp yeah um, I was actually listening to um, one of the documentaries um, about plant-based eating. And from what I understand about olive oil, all those things you you mentioned is it's kind of in the relative to other things, kind of like we mentioned right. the, the Mediterranean diet. Well, it's better mm-hmm. than the standard American diet because it focuses on a lot of fish, which is better than beef. And there's more vegetables and yeah. olive oil. It has way less saturated fat than, right. than meats. Than coconut oil, for instance. Even. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's still a lot of saturated fat in there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some other common questions or kind of, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for is uh real reasons why I shouldn't do this is then yeah. people are very concerned about your protein intake. Like, well, I, I can't be, I can't be a vegan. Where am I going to get my protein from? Right. Yeah. That's, that's one of the main ones. I, I gave a talk um, at a veg fest uh, a few months ago. Uh, and I, for the talk, I actually Googled, like, what are some of the most common things that people ask about, you know, veganism? And, and that was like number one. Where do you get your protein? You're going to be protein deficient. Well, no, it's not true that you're going to be protein deficient. Vegetables have protein, you know, believe it. Most people just don't realize it, but vegetables have protein in them, naturally occurring sources of protein. And when you eat those um, high fiber foods that we talked about, you'll get even more protein. Um, I always give the example um, of if you eat like, for instance, a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, if at lunch you then have like a veggie wrap and put some hummus and, you know, maybe some spinach and tofu in it, then dinner you have, uh, you can even just have like a sweet potato and some beans. Um, 
you're going to get more than what the recommended daily allowance of protein is. In the standard diet, most people are getting two, three times the amount um, of what they should actually be consuming in terms of protein. And what we know about too much protein is that it can cause uh, kidney damage because our kidneys weren't designed to filter out that amount of protein. Um, as well as, you know, when it's more animal-based, you're going to get all of those other effects of animal-based products versus if you're consuming more plant-based, not only will you get more than enough protein, you're going to get healthy proteins um, that will not cause the, that same level of damage um, to your system. What are some easy um, ways, do, or, or let me back up, do you, does your family yeah. eat like this too? For the most part, I will say my husband uh, is, you know, men are, they're, they're challenging creatures. Um, <laughs> my husband's the same way. Now, in the house, he will eat plant-based, but when he goes out or when he cooks his own thing, then, you know, he does what he wants to do, and he'll still eat some animal-based food. And my kids um, are mo majority uh, plant-based, too, and, and it's just because they've grown up that way. I, my mom is always like, well, I don't know what to feed these kids. They don't eat, you know. They're not like a hamburger kind of kid because they haven't grown up that way. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, they do. Um, what are some easy switch, like at least in my house, is I stopped buying cow's milk. Like that's a that's oh, a yeah. super easy switch. Is, uh, yeah, for sure. There's so many now um, plant-based milks. Do you have a favorite? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my favorite um, really is almond milk. Um, and we, we just get the whole foods organic, uh, you know, their generic version of that. But even when my kids, uh, were little, so, you know, I, I breastfed them up until a bit over a year. And then, um, I actually switched them to, uh, organic unsweetened soy milk at that point, um, because soy actually has more fat, um, in it. And so it's going to be one of your more fattier plant-based milks. And so for uh, babies, uh, for toddlers rather, um, you know, who are over a year old and they're still needing that fat content, um, soy milk was a good um, product for them to have. And so they had that. Uh, but yeah, so milk is an easy substitute. Uh, even uh, coffee creamers are an easy substitute nowadays. There are a lot of plant-based ones. I'm a huge fan of nut pots. Um, they're actually a combination of coconut milk and almond milk, and they don't have any sugar in them, so they're totally unsweetened. Um, and so it's an easy switch for creamer. Um, if you're looking for, you know, there are tons of vegan junk food. So if you're still, you know, missing your your hamburger or your chicken nuggets and those type of things, you can find some, you know, uh, plant-based uh, replacements on those. Ultimately, those you're definitely not going to get all of those health benefits we talked about <laughs> by doing that. But, you know, if that's your way of weaning down on your animal intake to eventually get there with more plants on your plate, then, yeah, they are there. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out is uh... – you know, I, I even years ago when we we're telling people to go gluten free is the answer is not to just take everything in your pantry and switch it over to gluten free, but right. find more, you know, again, fruits and vegetables and, right. and, and whole grains. So same thing with mm -hmm. going vegan is it's not yeah. go to go, go to whole foods and find all the substitutes because um, I've tried some of them and it's, I think it's disappointing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, it probably is for most people who've been eating, you know, meat the majority of their life. It is, yeah. It's not going to taste like your steak or your barbecue or yeah. whatever. Now I've done that. <laughs> like we went to a Bengals game and we were, 
um, you know, eating at a restaurant in downtown Cincinnati and it's, you know, everybody's eating that tailgating food. I'm like, you know, I've heard people talk about this impossible burger. I'm going to get one just so I could see what it's like, but actually I'd rather just have vegetables because it was okay, but it's not, it's not a burger. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. Uh, but what about cheese? Um, at least Uh for me, that's the meat part, the egg part, like, like that was not as difficult to get to steer away from, but the cheese is difficult. Like, yeah, really pizza. Like I, I still yeah. love pizza on a, like a Friday night. Um, uh-huh. any s- suggestions? How do you get past the, yeah. Uh- yeah, cheese and cheese is a hard one. And I'll tell you, there have been some studies that have shown, um, cheese is really like a highly addictive even food product. Oh yeah, and it's because, the worst one. Yeah, it has the most fascinating fat. Right. So. Uh-huh. And, and that's what part of why we like it so much because it, it feeds the, you know, those happy hormones in our brain when we get that amount of fat and salt um, that's found in cheese, um, which is what makes us like it so much. Um, but to, you know, help with that, there are a couple of things that you can do. One um, thing I like is cashew cheese. I don't know if you've tried it yet. Oh, um, I've discovered that. That didn't take okay. me long to figure out those recipes. <laughs> yeah. And I just go into Pinterest and type in right. cashew uh-huh. mozzarella, cashew cheddar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can even easily make it if you're just, you know, wanting like a cheese sauce. You know, if you're doing having like a tailgate party like you talked about and you need like a cheesy dip, um, you can take some cashews, lemon juice, nutritional yeast. Uh, put it in your blender and you can have a a cashew cheese dip um, that way. Um, You can even make dressing the same way um, with it and make a ranch dressing, put some dill leaves in it um, and have a ranch dressing that way. Uh, But yeah, so cashew based cheeses are a good substitute or even just the nutritional yeast itself. Um, So, you know, it's it's found in the spice aisle for those people that are listening who haven't had it, Um, but you can even order it from Amazon like we talked about or online. Um, but it has a cheesy like flavor to it. So you can sprinkle it on almost anything on your pasta, on your pizza crust, on, you know, a number of things and give things a cheesy flavor that way. Um, and then there are some plant-based cheeses out there. Um, so if you're really, really missing that kind of stretchy cheese flavor that came on your pizza, there are some plant-based made cheeses that can do that. Once again, you are going to get a lot of that fat content, especially a lot of saturated fat, because the majority of those are actually coconut-based, um, coconut oil-based, um, which is how they are able to give it that same kind of similar texture to regular cheese and that stretch. Um, but they do exist if you you know are, are needing that occasionally on your Friday night for your pizza. Have you ever ordered a pizza just without cheese? I have, and I actually like it that yeah. way. I'm, I, and I'm one of those weird people that like barbecue sauce and pineapples on pizza. So <laughs> oh. I'll order one with mushrooms, pineapples, and barbecue sauce and no cheese. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's delicious, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I've ordered it to my house and then I have the nutritional yeast at home, which, you know, I love that stuff. So last mm-hmm. night for dinner, um, my family again had some... Uh, flank steak, baked potatoes, and then I had a bean salad. And uh, so then for me, I had a baked potato, then I put the nutritional yeast on it. And then I took my bean salad of, oh, I forget, um, chickpeas, black bees, beans, tomatoes, pinto beans, uh, lime juice, red onion, tomatoes, and then 
that um, put that on top of my potato and that's what I had for dinner and then yeah, topped it with nut- nutritional yeast and it yeah. was really good. So, right. yeah, and then my kids were like, what's this? I'm going to put some of that on my yeah. potato. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then you have to fight them off because they're eating up all your <laughs> I know. So I'd like that to come in like a bag like this big. So you get it that big. I actually ordered mine that big. Um, there's a, a bulk food place online. <laughs> and you can get a five pound bag of it. it it'll probably last you like a year. <laughs> oh, to look into that. Yeah. What about iron? When people are like, well, where am I going to get my iron from if I'm giving up meat? Yeah, yeah. And so you can definitely get iron from vegetables. Um, your dark leafy greens are going to be a good source of them. Your beans will be good, a good source of, of them. Uh, soybeans, tofu, those are good sources of iron. Um, so you definitely shouldn't become iron uh, deficient um, just from taking meat out of your yeah. diet. Actually, you know, people develop iron deficiency anemia for a number of reasons. Um, and typically dietary is not so much issue. This next one's easy for you because we've been dispelling this myth probably for 15 years of, but if I don't eat milk, where am I going to get my, or if I don't drink milk, where am I going to get my calcium from? Yeah. Yeah. That one is. Yeah. Once again, calcium is found in so many vegetables. Your cruciferous vegetables are going to be higher in calcium. Your beans will. Um, Another reason to eat some tofu on your plate, Um, your dark leafy greens, you'll get calcium in all of those things. And now what we actually know about dairy milk, um, is that it actually, studies are showing that it actually leaches calcium from our system and too much dairy milk um, can cause more bone issues than what we thought, you know, when, when they had all of the commercials where, you know, for strong bones, you must drink your your cow's milk kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. this weekend, I re-watched the documentary, What the Health. I don't know if you've um, watched that yeah. anytime recently. Yeah. I know I watched it years ago. Right. I was about to say, I think it's probably been several years since I watched yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's fresh on your mind because um, I just re-watched it because a lot of uh, the uh, plant-based podcasts I listen to kind of reference that. Um, but this reporter actually goes to the like American Heart Association, I think like American Diabetic Association, and they say, you know, they present this data on what a plant-based diet can do. And they actually call those places and like, why do you have meat recipes when I can show you all these data that meat is going to increase the risk of cancer? Um, And I think even that, even in traditional medicine of people who aren't kind of food experts will agree that red meat does increase your risk of at least colon cancer and Mm -hmm. radio silence on those um, questions. Well, more recently, I will say it it finally come to light that these meat products are actually carcinogens. Um, And I I forget the year, but I want to say it's just been within the past two years where um, you know, where even the FDA have, have come out saying that, you know, uh, processed meats like hot dogs and bacon um, are now uh, classified as actual carcinogens. Now, clearly it has not been, you know, shouted from the rooftops as it needs to be uh, because people are still fighting over getting their bacon in the stores. And, you know, you see it on your, your social media timelines all the time. Um, but you know, it is out there that we we do know that, yeah, these foods are actually um, labeled, you know, the our organization um, have recognized in the science or has shown us that these things do contribute to cancer. 
One of the other benefits I've noticed of as we've been eating a lot more plants and less meat in our house, um, and, and you brought up bacon, is it reminded me of um, when I was buying bacon several months ago of, first of all, how much it costs recently. Um, but that's one of the other health benefits of uh, eating a whole food plant-based is cost-wise of yeah. how much less expensive it is mm -hmm. to eat this way. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the, we talked about a lot of those plant-based myths and, you know, one of the things people commonly say, well, it's too expensive to eat healthy food, but that's just not true, especially if you're eating more whole food plant-based um, because, you know, you can get a batch of dried beans for like a dollar, you know, you can get a batch of dried uh, brown rice for a couple of bucks. You can get a block of tofu for $2.99 in most places. Um, and you compare that to, you know, we, we've heard about in the media, the cost of eggs right now, um, you know, and the cost of uh, meat. I, I will say, I, you know, I haven't bought any of those things in over decades. So I don't really know <laughs> how much they exactly cost. Um, but, you know, I do know that you can, you know, you can get lettuce for below three bucks. So it's not expensive um, to eat these plant-based foods. Now, I will tell you where the expense comes from is when you're eating more of the processed plant-based foods. So if you're getting more of the Impossible Burgers and the, you know, the vegan chicken nuggets and those things, yeah, those things are going to be a bit pricey, but you shouldn't, you know, those shouldn't be the majority of your consumption anyway. Um, those should be more kind of treat-like foods. Um, and if you're just sticking to the basics of, of grains, fruits, vegetables, um, then you're, it's not going to be very expensive at all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Is uh, yeah, those when you, especially when you get dried beans, um, mm -hmm. that makes it just really inexpensive. Yeah. I actually started making my own vegetable broth even of just all the vegetable scraps. I just put mm -hmm. them in a bag, put them in my freezer. Then once I get a couple bags full, then I make my own vegetable broth. So I don't yeah. even have to buy yeah. vegetable broth anymore. Yeah, you can totally do that. And then, you know, another, you know, time, another one of those myths is that, oh, it takes so much time, you know, when people think about, oh, you, you got to pop all of those vegetables. Where my mom had, because I'm also a mom of three, is to buy frozen vegetables. <laughs> and so I do buy my fair share of frozen. You can get a big bag of frozen broccoli, a big bag of frozen spinach. Um, those things are actually frozen at the peak of freshness. So they're still Yeah, so they're not less a, healthy. Yeah. Right. No, no, there are no additives or preservatives um, added to them because the freezing process is what actually preserves them. Um, and, you know, you can get them in the organic varieties. And so, yeah, another time saver. <laughs> so what's a typical menu for you? What are some of your uh -huh. what are some of your favorites? Yeah, I typically will do a tofu scramble. Um for breakfast or a smoothie um, most, I would say most days of the week. Um, and then typically lunch or dinner is gonna be like a large salad. And I, I like to have beans. I like to put uh, brown rice or quinoa on top of it. Um, or I'll do uh, some pasta. And the pasta that I like, I like the bean-based pasta. So like Bonza brand or or you can get them, you know, made from lentils or chickpeas. And I'll I typically do that with some uh, sauteed spinach and mushrooms, or I'll add some um, broccoli um, over the top of it, nutritional yeast to give it that cheesy um, flavor on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Soup is another easy one <laughs> to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been great. Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on all of the social social media outlets. And then I can also be found at eohcoaching.com.
Thanks so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material, or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.